0: So I noticed that some people have come from other workshops, and that's perfectly okay. It's just that I want you to realize that you're coming. we already built up to what we're going to do now, and there's already been a lot of groundwork laid in terms of uh, self-acceptance, humor, having a kind of lighthearted attitude, but dealing seriously and wanting to go a step higher in your spiritual growth. So, uh, since you weren't here for the first part, you may feel really uh, jolted or uncomfortable. Um, And if you do, it's okay to leave, okay? Uh, It will affect our experience, however, if you leave. So, uh, if you leave, if you want to leave, if you start seeing, I don't want to do this, and you want to leave early, better to leave earlier. (laughs) Okay. So... And it's not that scary, really, I don't think. Uh, Let me just tell you that uh, what we said in the first part is that when we deal with forgiveness and amends, that the biggest person that we need to forgive is ourselves. That's the first one we put on the list. And amending means changing. We change our behavior. That's how we make amends, not by speech-making but by actually taking a corrective action from what we did before. And actually, uh, would you, Hank, would you like to share what you shared with me at the break? Because I think it's a good example. My,
1: my name is Hank, and I'm an abstaining compulsive overeater. Hi, and uh, Judy and I have known each other for over 20 years, and I remember when we just reminisced about that, uh, we were both living back east, and we met in Washington, D.C., and uh, I was in New York visiting family, and she was in New York. Uh, it was Passover, and I drove picked her up in Manhattan and drove her to her mom's house. And she was there, and I went to my aunt, who was also crazy. And then we reminisced about it later. By the way, do you remember there was a friend with me that we drove? There were three of us, my friend and I. Anyway, he passed away about a month ago. My, my oldest friend. of We met in the third grade. That's how long we knew each other. And 10 years ago, I had open-heart surgery, and he drove down to Washington from New York City to t- help take care of me. So I'm still feeling that loss. Anyway, um, my mother had Alzheimer's. I came in. She was the oldest girl of nine children. Uh, she, she, was, she was a great aunt and a great sister, and, by, and she and my dad met late in life, had me late in life, and she was all mothered out by the time I came along. That was the message I got. I was sent to live with my grandmother when I was 8 years old, I think that's where my disease set in. I felt, uh, my mother said, you have the face that only a mother could love. And then she sent me to live with her crazy mother. And that was the message I got. And two of my older cousins told me um, that they felt sorry for me because they knew how mean my grandmother was. She was so mean that her three sons moved away because she couldn't get along with her daughters-in-law. So anyway, um, I came into program after my mother passed away. And a couple of years ago, I started dating this woman that I met and her mother, and my mother died of Alzheimer's, and, uh, her, um, this woman's mother had Alzheimer's, and it was some issues there, and I went to visit her. I went with, with the woman I was dating, and I go through the same stories that I had no patience for when my own mother was there. Maybe it was because it wasn't that bloodline or whatever, and, uh, I listen to say the same thing over and over again, and this is like after, I'm in the program 25 years, so I know I've changed, and, uh, After we and um, I think we visited her on Mother's Day, and then we whatever we broke up or whatever. And a year later on Mother's Day, to make amends to my mother, I bought this woman flowers and sat there for twenty minutes answering the same questions over and over again. And then I and then I had released. That was that was the living amends that I made to my mom. Thanks.
0: Yeah, isn't that nice? So you see, we we can find surrogates. And we can find many ways to heal our part of the street, our side of the street. Oh, okay. Uh, Yes. Uh, Sure. Uh, But you'll be the last because
2: I want to get to this exercise. I'm Thora, Compulsive Reader. Um, it's real interesting. I had this gal many years ago. I've been in the program for almost forty years, and she was never told where her mom was buried. So um, I was in program before my mom passed, but she wanted to have a closure. So we went down to Huntington Beach, and. We got flowers. Then you could get like a dozen of roses and the second one free. And we went down to the end of the pier. And she started first. And she would say something and throw a rose in. I did it. So she did her 12. I did my 12. And then we decided to walk along the beach. So we walked along the beach. And I call them God shots. What happened was... I found six roses. She found six roses. So that meant six roses went to her mom and six roses went to my mom. And even though I was in program before my mom passed, I wasn't at the part where I was ready when I was doing the amends. So to me, I mean, to me that was really a God shot. What a healing it came for her uh, to have each of us having six roses and to be able to do a situation like that even though they had passed. So
0: for you folks who came in late, I'd like you to take a piece of paper and a pencil. No, it has to be on this paper. Sorry. (laughs) Pass them back. Thank you. Um, If anyone needs to have something... uh, Flat to write on. We got these, you know. If you uh, if you don't want to use your lap, pass those around. Everyone have their materials. That little white, that little yellow piece of paper. Cool. Oh, I'm. Oh, that's not my seat. Okay, one is enough. One is enough because we're going to be short and sweet. Now, uh, for you people, there are still people who came who weren't in the first half. You guys in the back who are talking? You guys weren't here the first half, right? Some of you back there? Okay. So I just gave a little warning that you might feel what we're going to do is jarring that you haven't had the buildup we had for the first half. So if you feel uncomfortable, uh, leave early, you know, if you don't want to do it. But uh, I have found it quite wonderful to do this. Um, Again, with the idea being that our amends to ourselves are the most important and will give us training in how to receive amends from other people and how to ask for forgiveness from other people. So... I'd like you to write something short and sweet, not detailed. Uh, I wonder if we can close the door now and stop having people come in. We want you here, stay. If you want to leave, leave early. But I just don't want to keep being interrupted by people coming in. Huh? Okay. Did you guys need pencil and paper? Anybody? The little yellow paper? Pass some of those back, those yellow papers. Nice nail polish. (laughs) All right. All right, well, we'll just go and we'll make the best of it. Yes? Don't have any more. Okay. Okay. Let's stop. Whoa. Bong. So very short, uh, not specifics, just write, what do you feel is the worst thing you've ever done? Now, before you go further, let me just tell you that most people never put down their worst thing. (laughs) They put down two or three or five. It's up to you, because this is all for you. You will never be asked to share which is your thing, You're not going to be revealed. You don't have to come out about it. I just want you to write it on this piece of paper, the worst thing you've ever done. Using an example from what I just went through, I felt a very bad thing I did was not being there at my mother's death, even though I had an inkling that I should have been. You understand? So that would be on my worst, almost the worst. So just write that quickly, no specifics really, just the general thing, like I wasn't there at my mother's death. That's general, okay? So this lady just shared that she also wasn't there at her mom's death, although she'd been going every day, and that uh, then her mom died, and people said... Maybe it was about that she had released her mom so that she could die. So I found that very helpful. Thank you very much. Uh, Yeah? Uh, I I don't think we want to have sharing because we want... Well, okay, you can share while... Okay, hold on one second, then go around and now take one out. Everybody take one out. And while you do that, we'll let you... One sentence, I was told by a hospice worker something
3: that was really helpful to me, and that was that some people wait until all their family is there to die, and some people wait until no one's
0: there to die. Hey, thank you. Oh, you're missing? Okay. Huh? Okay. Yes, you can open it up and look at it. And then I would like you to think about uh, what would you feel like if this was your paper? Like to get into genuine empathy. Now, I know the person has only written a couple lines, right? Or one line even. So you have to imagine, wow, if this was my worst thing, how I would feel. And you can make up a little story around that. Not a big story. A little story. Because, no, no, then throw it back in. You can't have your own back. Put them back. That's interesting. Uh-oh. So what does that mean? What does that mean? What is the universe telling you? You got your own back. Interesting. Interesting. Okay, so let's, let's keep the energy down for now, like, you know, low energy and focus. Does anyone else, it's going to take some time, I guess, to get our papers. Anyone want to say anything? Ask, okay. I'm very i don't know why. I feel very anxious about someone mine, and that's okay. I'm just saying it. Okay. Okay, she said she feels anxious and a little nervous about someone seeing her thing. So don't give out any clues about what yours was. Yeah, the value, the value in this, excuse me, did you want to say something with the group? We want to stay focused. Sorry. I feel anxious about even being
4: here. Okay.
0: So here's the deal. Uh, one of the lines that I use is, to lose the fat risk, we must live at risk. So when I wrote the mother-daughter book, I had a whole graph about the difference between a sponsor and a mother. And mothers want us penned down for the night, even if they hate our guts. They want us safe, right? Sponsors, it's a different relationship. You get together with that person for teaching to be passed on and to grow spiritually. The sponsor wants you more at risk, wants you out there, experimenting, trying, having life experiences to learn from. So it's wonderful if you feel nervous and anxious. Uh, it's a growth opportunity. And like I say, we call that an AFCO, <laughs> another fouled up growth opportunity. But uh, the, the value in this one is that you never have to go public you're never going to have to reveal which was yours. Wait, this lady over here had a comment. Someone over here wanted to say something? Was it you? To
5: lose the fat risk, we need to live at risk? Was that
0: it? To to lose the fat risk, we must live at risk.
1: Um, I think there's a difference between the relationship between a mother and her daughter than there is between a mother and her son. And my sponsors, I've looked for older brothers because I was an only child.
0: That's good. And when I first wrote that book, a lot of the guys in OA would say, well, what about, you know, mothers and sons and yada yeah?" I said, write your own books. <laughs> this is all I know about. <laughs> okay, done? Everybody got one? Okay. Where's the bag? Oh, okay. Okay. Yes, ma'am. Hold on.
5: I can't believe I'm in a room talking about mothers. I am on a, a caregiving mission for my mother down here. And some of my friends are speaking at this conference, so they invited me to come. I didn't know which room to go into. But as I was driving down here from Yukaipa, God was just telling me, it's your turn to take care of you because as caregivers... We don't take care of ourselves sometimes. And then I want to eat more and I want to crunch more and all this stuff. And I am glad I'm with my people. And we were talking about mommies because I have a great inspirational mom. She writes a lot of books. But right now it's time for me. And I don't have to feel shame. So I'm glad I'm with you guys. Thank
6: you.
0: Yeah, very good. Yeah. Yeah, I remember once back in Brooklyn when my Aunt Hope was dying, and I was very close with her. And a guy from Brooklyn, similar thing, came to the hospital, an OA person, and he said, come on, you need to get some time out of here. And he took me out roller skating for the afternoon. So OA people helping us, you know. All right, does everyone have one? Okay. Well, it's taking a little longer than I thought it would. So um, if anyone does not want to participate, you can just hold on to it and decide not to, for sure. Okay? Because I'm just not sure we can get around. We can if everyone will be brief. So what I want you to do is stand up and tell, tell us very briefly about this worst thing you ever did. You, the one you're holding is the one you wrote. Do you get it? You are trying to develop some genuine empathy with this other person and just talk a little bit about what you felt. Not the details, because you don't even know the details, right? But what you felt. Did you put one in? Well, i'm sorry we're just going on I'm sorry. Oh, so give them <laughs> everybody got everyone's got to have some skin in the game <laughs> okay All right, so we're done. okay, so you know we don't have a lot of time, so uh, don't worry about circumstance. Just volunteer, stand up, and say. Uh, Very slightly Because you see Wait Rex The reason is Because we want the person Who wrote it To know that was theirs Oh okay So But I mean What if it's not My same circumstance No They won't be None of them are going to be the same Stand up Just go ahead
4: Out of anger I pushed Go ahead Out of anger I pushed uh, My son away And called them names So How do I feel I feel horrible my experience is that I've yelled and cursed at my mom. And, and uh, so, yeah, I can relate to that. And I feel horrible, yeah. But I, uh, yeah, I made amends. So. I wish I wouldn't have called her names and I could have just paused for a while. <laughs> uh,
7: being mean to my friends and family. Uh, I was... Always short with my mom, um, always just ready to jump on her. Uh, she was just an irritant to me for some reason and and um, she did the very best she could with me, but um, just had some sort of underlying anger with her and and she 's gone now and um, I just uh, she knew I love her, loved her, and uh, i just I want to forgive myself for that. I was just an ass i you know. For whatever reason, and uh, I'm working on myself now and i just uh, I just accept and love myself today, uh, thank you
8: hi i wasn 't there when my daughter had pneumonia, and um, she nearly died, and I knew it, but i wasn 't there and um, so I have an opportunity to give do living amends and my god we 're human, you know, gee, you know there are so many things we wish we would have done, but we 're human and um, you know, I can just try to keep being there for my
0: daughter.
9: I didn't help my mom when she was struggling with her finances. Um, I hold on to resentments. I've talked bad about others, and I have trouble letting go of uh, of resentments. And how I feel is is kind of stuck. I feel um, I feel like I've had to do certain things to protect myself, and that's how I kind of. That's why I hold on to resentments and I don't know how to let go of the resentments and still take good care of myself.
8: Oh my gosh, I got I
10: don't talk about this, but I got what I needed. Um I wasn't there when my biological father passed away. And And all I have to say is that I regret this. <laughs> I never met, met him. He wanted to meet me. And I didn't go because my mom told me, if you go, your dad, my stepdad's going to get very hurt. <laughs> and I was very young. And I, and I went with... She had so much power over me. And it was a guilt trip that she put on me. And to this day... I had that regret and I need to forgive myself that I didn't meet him and I wasn't courageous enough to stand up to my mom and tell her that I wanted to meet him. So anyway, I got this and I hope, you know, that, I don't know, I could forgive myself for for not being more assertive and standing up to my mom. And I have to forgive her as well and myself.
11: Thank you. I'm reading this as as if it were mine. Okay. Um, When I was babysitting, I touched a little boy's penis when I was changing his diapers. I was very young. I hadn't seen one. It was cute. I was curious. So I did it. Later on, when I developed, you know, past puberty, hit my sexuality, it kept plaguing me all the time because I thought, God, you're a pervert. You shouldn't have touched a little child's penis. That was wrong. That was so bad. You're disgusting. But you know what? reading this. I was just being curious. I wasn't fondling. It was just curiosity. And I forgive myself and I love myself. And the amends is I don't take advantage of people. But in this situation, it was just curiosity. Thank you. I drive drunk
9: with my daughter in the car. And uh, this scares me to death because I'm putting my precious baby's life in jeopardy. And I feel like a horrible mother. And, um, you know, the best I can do is be in recovery and take care of myself so that I can be um, more present for her. And, um, you know, I have a lot of work to do, and I'm in
5: the right place.
12: The worst thing I've done is... um Hitting my daughter when she didn't deserve it. I was angry and frustrated. Um, I acted out in anger because I was in pain, and um, my daughter did not deserve that. And my amends is to um, treat her as well as myself and others with kindness, compassion, and empathy and forgiveness.
1: Oh, my gosh. Um, I had an abortion, and uh, I feel numb and full of regret and um, full of shame and all worried worried about the what-ifs. And what I can do is... Allow myself to feel these feelings and be there for others if they face this circumstance, share my truth and share my feelings as I feel today.
2: Cursing at my father's mom's care. The first thing I would do would be to forgive myself and to realize that um, it's scary when you see someone that is not being taken care of, and uh, to make a living amends to my father. and um, But I think the main thing would be forgiving myself and realizing that, you know, I'm a reactor, I react. Then I think later, and that's why it's so important for me to stop and think about what I'm doing, and then pray on it, and then see what comes up. But the main thing is to forgive myself.
13: I you know,
5: I'm gonna need help on this one because I'm. Well, I'm not good at empathizing with other people. I
11: know that, so okay, I'm sorry. I'm
2: sorry.
11: sorry.
0: I was withholding
3: from my husband. And if this were mine, I would say that uh, there are a lot of things and ways that I have not been able to be present uh, for others because it was too vulnerable. And because of my disease and that the best thing that I can do is to be in recovery and get help if I need it and, most importantly, live in the solution.
5: This is two. As a teen I stole from my parents, my disease was even uh, prevalent then. I just didn't know, and I was looking for help. The second part is I had postpartum with my youngest child and how I hated him. Um, I was an overstressed mother. I already had children. I was trying to be a good mother, wife, uh, worker, uh, everything else and all the demands. I was unhappy to be pregnant, and unfortunately that showed up once the child was born. He was uh, colicky, and today I have the right to not tell him that I hated him, because that will do permanent scars, but just to tell him and love him as much as I can do. I guess it's a boy. Yeah, him.
10: Not there for Mama's death. I had always said, my mother brought me into this world and uh, was there for me for everything, always my best friend, I'd be there for her when she left this world, and then I wasn't. But I forgive myself, I made amends to her long ago and continued a living amends for years in recovery and was a good daughter during all those times, and she knew that I loved her and I was there for her. So I forgive myself for just not being there when she took her last breath.
13: Um, I, have, um, I have sexualized and lusted after my family, and, um, and I, I got to forgive myself for that and continue to. Um, I didn't realize I grew up, um, in a family where, uh, there was sex addiction and, um, and I got taught messages that as a kid, I didn't even know that I was taught. And, um, and so now in my family, um, um, my, my feelings have, uh, you know, I don't know, they're, they're, they're just thoughts in my head and, I don't need to act on them, and um, because I've actually written this down, um, I am taking a step in the right direction, and um, and I get to love myself no matter what, even though these feelings feel like they're inappropriate, inexcusable, shameful, all those things. I am worthy of love, and I love myself.
14: Um, okay, mine said um, adultery. Um, I committed adultery. I was in a marriage that was... I was young. I was in a bad marriage. I didn't know how to deal with it. I didn't have the skills. I was scared. And... The situation happened. Immediately felt regret. Deep shame. Um, I thought that by committing adultery, that it would help me forget my bad situation and it only made it worse because then I had the bad situation and the shame. I still feel like that adultery, anytime I'm in an argument with my spouse, it's because of my adultery. And what I need to do is make a living amends to continually make amends to this spouse that I committed adultery with by not doing it ever again and realize that I'm human and that next time somebody wrongs me, I can have empathy and compassion because I, too, have done something very, very shameful. And so I can forgive myself and forgive others better because I can recognize my own weakness
15: Thank you. Um, Mine says, I uh, cheated on my husband uh, with another person. And the way I look at this this adultery, um, the way I really guide myself in my life does have a biblical perspective. And so the first thing I look at is how um, how it affects God. Even before how it affects my husband, and one of the things that I have learned is that there are a lot of people in the Bible that um, have committed adultery, or one in particular that I can think of, which is david and David had um, was known as a man after god 's own heart, and so even though he um, he did these things, and God certainly punished him in ways but the point is is that there's another part in the Bible and I think it's in Proverbs that says God hates these seven, six things, seven things he detests and adultery is not in there. Um, and so having done this, although there is shame in it, I know that, that God forgives me. And um, being that he can forgive me I know I can work on forgiving myself um, and of course also make the commitment um, to not only physically do that again, but to um, find out what the what emotional need was there that I needed to um, to go out and have um, that relationship and work on having getting that um, with my husband so that I can not only. Not do that again, but just improve my relationship and my marriage. Thank you.
16: I was cruel, uh, inappropriate to my sisters. Um, In my family, um, I wasn't getting my needs met, and I felt uh, powerless. So I took it out on my sisters. I was uh, kind of a bully. And... um, one of my sisters today, I think, even though I've made amends to all my sisters, uh, my one sister, I think, still holds some resentment uh, about that. But I feel um, what I try to do is, with living amends, be kind to all my sisters. And I'm not responsible um, if if I feel that I'm living, um, you know, re- in recovery and... Doing my living amends and being kind to, to all my sisters, that I'm not responsible if they have trouble, you know, forgiving me. So um, even though I do struggle with that, but I know my program helps me to to forgive myself and um, just to to have those the best relationship I can today with my sisters.
12: I drank kerosene in an attempt to numb the pain, the fear, the emotional wreck that I was, Uh, a failed attempt to maybe kill myself to help end all of this. And I know now that I'm worth walking on this planet, I'm worth being here, I'm worth being loved, I'm worth being cared for, and to be able to care for others. What I can do now is reach out to people when the pain gets so bad that my mind tells me I don't deserve, that I'm not worth anything, to be able to ask for help, to be able to use the tools of this program and know that, yeah, I am loved, I deserve love, I deserve to be happy, and I deserve to take care of what God gave me, and that is this body, this mind, this spirit, this soul. Thank you. To walk away from my mother, um, I, she needed me, and I walked away, and I wasn't there for her, and. I felt really bad about that, and I wished that I could tell her that I I loved her and I wanted to be there for her, but she was hurting me and being angry with me, and I know that was just her pain, but I couldn't stop myself. I had to walk away, and I feel bad for not helping her more and being a better daughter to her.
8: Um, I talked private things to other people about my husband. And I felt that um, I wasn't having his back, but what I was really doing was playing the victim because I wanted attention. And today, because of OA and all of you in the program, um, I don't have to do that. I can um, talk to you about my problems and what's happening, and um, if I do have to share, it could be in a loving manner uh, with the help of my sponsor and all of you, and I can forgive myself
13: for that.
17: Putting up with abuse. I could have written this. February of 2012, my husband of 60 years died. And for 59 of those 60 years, he was a rageaholic and verbally and emotionally abusive. And why did I put up with this abuse? Because I felt I deserved it. That was all that I was worth. Nothing more. So I'm here at this forgiveness workshop because I have to learn to be worth something, especially to myself. And, and as Judy said, the hardest forgiveness is forgiving oneself. And that's what I'm here to learn. Who's next?
7: This one says, not being there for my mom or my grandma and saying cruel things to my kids. Um, I'm lucky I'm speaking at all. (laughs) Um, This is a hard one. I heard mine being read already. So that touched me. And this one could have been mine too. Not being there for my mom or my grandma, but I was so hurt that I had to step away and not be there it was for my good I felt bad but I can make the amends by loving them trying to see their side of things but taking care of myself Um, saying through cruel things to my kids which I've done I have six and you get crazy with six kids and um, saying snappy things, and they'll say, Mom, you're yelling, you're yelling. Mom, you're just so angry inside at life. That's all you can do. But having programmed today, I don't have to do those things. Today I know I can just take baby steps and find people and talk to people and know that it'll be okay and tell them today that I love them all the time, and they get tired of hearing it now. So thank you.
17: Um, to live only for me. Um, I can kind of relate to this because I thought I was the most unselfish, most giving person in the whole wide world until I came to OA. Yeah. And then I found out all the things I had done. I wrote many amends. I went to people and made amends personally. And um, the wonderful thing about OA is that you can be selfish, but selfish in a positive way and make positive um, changes in your life, your family lives, strangers' lives. If everyone had a 12-step program, this world would be so much better. And I think that a lot of people would live a lot less selfishly in a negative way. We can live selfishly, but in a positive way and make positive differences in other people's lives. Thank you.
18: we say your name here? No. Uh, so this says I stole from grocery stores and I used to eat my way through the store and I was being caught and confronted at the checkout when I was buying lettuce. And I remember walking in the supermarket and I had this feeling that I knew deep inside it I was doing something wrong I was not supposed to be doing and but I couldn't stop it and I kept eating, and this—it was also like a, a thrill to eat, and and this feeling of rush. And then I got caught, and and I got so I had so much shame. But um, today I, I'm grateful that I was caught, and because I think that's not the my higher power power punishing me, but it's my higher power showing me to you I can do better than that, and I have enough and I, I can listen to this little voice in myself that is me, that guides me through the good things so, and, I, and I have enough and that was a good lesson and the amend is that I, I don't do this anymore thank you
8: hi, uh, this says slept for drugs sex And had sex for money. Left my sister at the beach because I was drunk. I can relate to this. Alcoholism is a real disease. And you have stinking thinking. And I know when I was drinking, I'm sure I hurt other people too. And I am so glad I don't drink anymore. And I'm sure this person probably does too. I don't know that, though. I shouldn't say that. But um, I am still on my steps of making amends, and you know, I'm thinking about my mom, and it was very difficult for me growing up with her because although she didn't think she was an alcoholic, um, she did drink almost every day. And... Um, I always thought that maybe I made amends to her when I would write her letters and stuff, but who knows if that's true. I don't know if I actually used the right wording. It's not right or wrong. But anyway, um, this is a great experience for me to, to uh, talk about drinking because, as I said before, I'm so glad I don't drink anymore. I'm much a happier person. And um, I forgive myself for what I have done in the past with my drinking.
17: Thank you.
19: Sorry. I turn my back on my daughter. I don't have a daughter, but if I could empathize with this statement, it would be that um, we all have our journey. And if I did have a daughter, I would basically would try to have the conversation about the guilt I might be feeling that I turned my back on her. I have a story. I have my own experiences. And at least for me, I know that I've taken care of my brother and my sisters for 40 years, and um, it's time to take care of me. Um, I think that I also related to this statement when I did turn my back on my mom when she was sick in the hospital. She was there for six weeks, and there was one week that I just, did not go visit her. I was so tired. I was so tired of taking care of my brother, taking care of my sister, taking care of all the chaos, taking care of her finances. Then I came back and she said, you abandoned me. How come you didn't um, come for a week? And uh, as I heard um, the morning session, that came up. It's interesting because when I came into these rooms, I didn't come for that. It just came up and obviously it was something that was brewing. So if you have turned your back on your daughter... You are human. You are allowed to feel. And uh, if um, I were to make amends, I would sit down and tell my daughter, because I'm human, it just means that sometimes I need time to think about how to best have a relationship with you. And sometimes um, our relatives do need some time away from us because I know, at least for my sister, I've had to turn my back away from her because she... She could be toxic, and um, I can't. It was destroying me, and uh, I was overeating. I was in isolation, and I was depressed, and uh, I had to come to OA, and I just slowly am able to get together and just slowly tell her my story and um, build a different relationship with her.
20: Being a controlling, dominating mother out of fierce love, not allowing my sons the freedom they deserve. Um, this one really touches me. because um, I'm controlling, domineering mother out of a fierce love, not allowing my sons the freedom they deserve or they need. Um, this one really touches me because it's kind of like I wrote something related to that. And um, it's the only thing or... Is a way of showing love. I'm questioning now if that's the right way or not, but I just feel I almost react that I have to do it because I worry, because I love them. I don't know how to let them go to grow, but it's just all come out of love. I'm trying to figure out even that it feels like it's out of love, if it's correct or not, and just by now knowing that and accepting that, I think there's the key. Um, I, I'm i in the other side sometimes of that. And I just want to share that because I know that sometimes when we want to show so much love, it's all that we can do, and that's okay. We're not perfect. And I am right now understanding that. So if I have to tell you something, it's okay. You're doing and we're all doing the best we can. That's all. I've been
21: mad at my daughter for using drugs. And as a result, I've stopped talking to her. This, I feel guilty that because I'm such a crappy mom, that that's why she's using drugs. And that I don't have the tools to talk with her. I know this is a disease. I know from my own experience in program, she knows I'm in program, but I haven't been able to accept that that she has a disease and that I really didn't cause it. I need to forgive myself for my part in whatever I did that wasn't enough so that she turned to drugs. But separate from that, I have to forgive myself for... Everything about the relationship that doesn't work because I, turn to, I tend to think that that's why it's the drugs and know she has a disease, be there um, and try to listen and try to just let her know that I'm not turning my back anymore.
11: I hide from my closest friend's I lie, and I'm disconnected, I, um, not caring. Um, I can sympathize with this. I, too, have... Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) I, too, have... um, I do hide from my friends and family as well. Um, And I understand how sometimes the world becomes so big that you can't even handle just you know, one simple conversation with someone or do something with someone or be there for someone. Um, and it's okay. It, just, um, you know, make living amends with these people and, um, you know, maybe, um, try to call them once a week or, you know, see how they're doing and <laughs> drop them a line on Facebook. Um, because that right there will, you know, that keeps that connection there, and they know that you're still thinking about them and love them.
12: Stayed in the marriage to conceal infertility. I'm not quite sure if it's to conceal this person's infer- infertility or their husbands, but or, or their spouses, um, but... Uh, my thought is that they, um, uh, the uh, the abandonment um, of of myself would be the issue. You know, abandoning myself, staying in a marriage that wasn't healthy. So um, the amends that I can make to myself is to be in healthy relationships and to not abandon myself and. to take care of myself as best I can.
6: Okay, mine says, oh, mine says, my treatment towards my brother when we were growing up. And um, I could relate to this because I've come to realize that I think my treatment toward my sister I've thought of her sort of as my mother and I guess I ran to her for love and because our mother didn't really know how to be a mother because she didn't have a mother so she was not there for us emotionally and so my older sister I guess you know I'm always I continue to run towards her and she continues to push me away in some way or hurt me in some way and um, I think I need to forgive myself for for um, just not being my true self, I think, and not speaking my truth and not letting myself blossom into the person I was supposed to be because I was kind of protecting her in a way, anyway, it's complicated with somebody that you've grown up with and been with for so many years. And I know this sister relationship, or I don't have a brother, but it gets to be that way for me. So, thank you.
22: I continued a relationship after finding out that the other person was married. I guess I was so focused on what I needed. My feelings... My sense of self-worth, my emotional well-being meant so much to me that I didn't even stop to realize the destruction I was sowing in my own life and in the lives of her family, her children, her husband, and to make a living amends, I would end the relationship and in a as as loving a way as possible and just concentrate on never focusing on what I'm not receiving so much as, as giving thanks for what I am receiving and finding empathy with others that maybe are going through the same situation. Thank you.
4: There were several things on this paper, but I I picked the one that says, making the decision to take my dad off of dialysis. I relate to this because in the middle of the night, I got a phone call from the place where my father was living, and they said, you know, your father's really and we are afraid he might die and my husband got up and got dressed and I I, I just you know I, I couldn't get my clothes on I couldn't make myself walk to the front door and my husband finally took me physically dragged me out of the house and when we got there my father was already dead um The good thing is that it was not very long before that that I told my father how much I appreciated everything he'd done for me. And he said, I'm so glad you told me because I didn't think you did. So that's the good
23: thing. Cheated on my spouse lie and steal. I'm so glad that I'm here. I'm in the right place because this pro—this program starts with honesty. And uh, I'm not going to tell my husband, but I am going to tell my sponsor. I'm going to work through it. I'm going to be able to forgive myself because I'm never going to do that again. But that's not going to happen today. It's going to take me a little time to work through this. But i got somebody by my side I can't do this alone, but, but with a sponsor and friends in the program and the steps, I'm going to be able to forgive myself, and I'm going to be fine, and I'm going to be a much better person because I've done this and I've overcome it.
0: I guess we're done (laughs) so um, there's a, a line in psychology nothing human is foreign to me nothing human is foreign to me in other words anything that some other human being came up with I'm capable of it too and I often say we could all be Jeffrey Dahmer we really could nothing human is foreign to me so we got to see in this exercise the genuine empathy we all feel with each other and the things we hold on to and beat ourselves up with another person can understand much more easily I I heard at a meeting recently someone said that her sponsor said to her would you talk to someone else the way you're talking to yourself you know so hopefully, um, this exercise let you see what you tell me. What we're that we're all human, <laughs> and that we can relate to each other, that we understand each other, and we have compassion for each other. Nobody, nobody is as mean to us as we are to ourselves. Yeah. By the way, can I I just say one thing? Because Hank said, can I share something on a positive note? And uh, did you notice that at various times when you guys shared that you wanted to make it nice for people? That you wanted to put some little uh, sugar coating or uh, it'll all get better when you do this. Or some advice giving or sugar coating. Be aware of that. Like, it's it's okay to face pain in life, and it actually can make you feel better. It doesn't have to be positive.
1: You know? that, was, that was the wrong word. Okay. Uh, again, my name is Hank, and I'm an abstaining, compulsive overeater. Um, I've done a lot of nice things for a lot of people throughout my life, but when I reflect, the nicest thing was, like, what is the nicest thing a person's ever done? My dad was dying of cancer. I was living 500 miles, 900 miles away. And for about six months, um, every month I would fly into New York to visit him. And the last time I saw him alive, uh, he was dying of cancer. He had stubble, and I shaved him. And I said, Pop, what would you like to eat? And he said, "Um, I'd love a corned beef sandwich and a glass of beer. And I said, okay, I'll go get it for you. My mother said, he can't eat that. I said, he's going to be dead within a month. He can eat whatever the hell he wants. And I went out and got it for him. And he smiled. And that was the last time I saw him alive. Because when I went back, I got a call like two or three weeks later that he had passed.
0: So, does anyone want to share anything about, go ahead. About what you might be up for when you leave here but say what you were going to say anyway um, I
9: was sharing when I was doing my empathy thing that I felt stuck and didn't know how to let go of resentment um, and still protect myself and what I realized is that um, I've been victimized in a number of ways and I'm, I'm sort of out of the victim mode 90 plus percent of the time but there was something really horrible that happened to me at work, and it was someone who intentionally did a horrible thing to me. Um, like I'll just say, she, she accused me of sexually harassing a young black man who worked for me, who's my son's age, which to me, I come from a history of, of having been abused, and it just was horrible. Um, and she did it because she wanted to work for somebody else <laughs> who wouldn't hold her accountable. And... Um, and what I, have, what I realized is I haven't forgiven myself for not being able to protect myself. And I, I couldn't protect myself growing up. And in this particular case, sort of like when I was growing up, I was trying so hard to be a good employee. This was a setup from the beginning. This person was a known quantity. She and I were parallel managers in the same program. No one ever dealt with her. They demoted her, moved her under me. Um, and she'd been undermining me when we were parallel so it was it was a setup from the beginning, but I was um some you know such a oh yeah I can do it I'll try to you know I'll try to I'll take this person on, and um and I feel like I betrayed myself you know uh, she was a known quantity, so I, I feel like the work I have to do from here is to um, forgive myself for not being able to protect myself as a child and also as an adult that sometimes people do get blindsided, and um and I don't have to be that good kid who's so good, you know, I want to be the good kid at work. I want to be the good kid at home. But I don't have to be so good that I don't take care of myself. Um, and that, that was just a really big insight for me today.
0: Yes, thank you very much. That that idea, nothing human is foreign to me, is also about taking on too much and thinking you're super you have superpowers and super insight and, ah, it won't happen to me. Isn't that the Al-Anon credo? Oh, his other wives didn't understand him, right? <laughs> I'll make the difference. No, we're all more simply human than otherwise.
3: Hi. Um, I just wanted to thank you for this workshop. It's funny. I came in today um, expecting to work through some deep-seated resentment specifically towards my brother and kind of realized that it's got to start with myself. And and it's funny that I didn't come in expecting to even look at myself or forgiving myself and that as I sat here and listened to all the forgiveness, it, you know, and empathize with all of it. It was, it was just kind of staring at the face. And, and it's funny, I was talking to my therapist about it and she's like, you know, you just have like this knife that, you know, you can just pull out and you go, no, you just want to keep it in, you know, like, you know, I keep holding on to this resentment and, you know, and I think that the work I want to do is I've done my fourth step, but I think I need to just go back and do some more work around these resentments and, and really find out what it's going to take to get rid of it because that knife isn't really doing me any good right now. So, thank you.
2: Hi, I'm Thora, compulsive reader. Um, For me, what has really helped me as far as resentment is I had to do a 10th step with the instructions from my sponsor on myself. And... It always comes with a solution. We have a forum in San Diego Valley that has a form for the 10th step. And at the very end, it says the solution. And it always comes up with trust God and abstain. And that's what it all boils down to. For me, I, I just... I can't afford to eat over it because I don't want to go back over to 300 pounds again. And I know for myself that... Forgiving myself, I didn't know how to do that. And especially, I never thought how to do that. And that's why, for me, sponsorship is so important. And um, to come to places like this and to see how other people do it. Thank you. So what you might consider doing, uh,
0: always think when you're making amends... That you want to have consideration for the other guy 's feelings, it doesn't mean that you've become a pretzel and are totally about their feelings, but you know you 're coming out of the blue, and uh, so the important thing is to give them the opportunity to answer back to you, and that 's what 's terribly difficult we 'd rather just go <laughs> done, you know so in a real human way, you have to keep asking them, is there more you might need to tell me about how I hurt you or offended you? Not just you saying, oh, I know I was a bad guy, but now I invite you to tell me more about that. And that's why you need to do so much preparation before and after so, you might want to think about now this idea of making amends to yourself for these things you feel bad about. And think about, like, imagining, asking yourself, you need to tell me more about how I've been mean to you? Do you need to tell me more about how long I've kept that knife in you? You know? To to carry that away with you. And it will, like, it'll let you do a little self-soothing, a little... They're there. You know, you've been beat up by you. You know, actually, isn't that why we're all here? That we come here because we're self-abusive people. So, you know, I'm, I'm sorry that I picked on your one word there, Hank, about positive, but... I. I have a thing about that, because I used to go to meetings where they said, only positive pitches, only positive pitches. And, you know, when I first came here, I hated the Sarah Syrups. I hated these ladies who always talked about gratitude. Sit down, bitch, you know. (laughs) You know, I hated that. And then there was this woman who got up and she was really well-groomed and attractive and she started talking and she hated her husband and she hated her husband's secretary and was like electric, (laughs) just shot off the top of her head right to my back row seat, you know? And I said, now there's my kind of people. (laughs) And that lady helped me stay in the program. She left very soon after, but... So it's very, this is a place that we, you know, it's so interesting that we're high-minded and down and dirty, you know? Uh, where else do you say F, F word and God in the same place, right? <laughs> but but that's, that's wonderful, and that's actually healing the disowned parts of ourselves, you know? Our dark, disowned shadow. We get to bring her into the light and dance, So I hope I'll see you at the sex workshop at 2. We'll do some more dancing.